Welcome back, ladies and gents. This is Uva Radio's coverage of the 2020-21 student elections at the Uva, and this is the FSR Law Faculty Debate. My name is Felix, and I'm joined in the studio by a whole host of lovely candidates. But before that, I wanted to advertise the board applications for Uva Radio real quick. Um, they are closing next Sunday, June 14th at midnight. And you can find a lot more information about this on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page. And if you want to know more, um, you can contact us on either of those pages or on our email, which is uberpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and if you want to apply, it's a motivation letter and a CV. But yeah, you can find more about that there if you're interested. But now we need to talk about these elections. And I'm joined by four lovely candidates from four lovely parties. We're going to go around the room and introduce ourselves really quick. First up is Domenico. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is uh, Domenico Ricciuto. I am the third on the list for Obrecht. And our party is mainly fighting for good diversity policy at the, uh, the university, decentralization, and opposing the mandatory attendance and other paternalistic policies of the university. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds good. Um, my name is Doris, I'm 22 years old, and I decided to run for council and start a new party, which is called Pacta, because in my board year, uh, which was last year, I spoke to so many students and professors and decided I wanted to change our education in a better way. My name is uh, Olaf, I'm 22 years old, third year Bachelor of Law, uh, and I'm a candidate for the Vrije Student, and we focus on the um, liberal study experience for every law student. Hi everyone, well let's cover the basics first. I'm Clemens, I'm 21. Um, I study PPLE at the moment, uh, majoring in politics. And yeah, and I'm also one of the lovely candidates, <laughs> as you said, uh, running for student council. And yeah, I'm a candidate for Inter, which is yeah um, a, par- a party at, at UFA. Okay, wonderful. Well, I do think the first thing we should address is the fact that this is not actually the first law faculty debate we've had this week. This is in fact the second one. Which um, it was a bit, it was a bit of a scandal. It was a bit <laughs> of a scandal within the uh, the <laughs> realm of Uber student politics. A bit of beef, and I'd like to take this opportunity on behalf of Uber Radio to apologise to Oprecht for accusing them of not caring about student politics and student debates. Uh, it was actually the fault of our moderator George, <laughs> who managed to get the dates wrong when interviewing the candidate from Oprecht, who wasn't Domenico. He was first on the list for Oprecht, and then Oprecht did not attend the last debate. Yes. And then when we posted the law faculty debate three days ago, it was with a caption which said, oh, Oprecht couldn't be bothered to turn up. Cheers for that. <laughs> you made some good punchlines for our jokes, yeah. which was quite funny, but um, not entirely accurate. And once that came to light, we took it upon ourselves to organize a new debate, and that's why we're all here. Um, yeah, and I, I, I was quite saddened that to see that uh, we'd made that kind of mistake but one thing which um, you know after we apologized for it and organized this new debate which did come to my attention and I think the attention of other people within student politics was the fact that this perhaps wasn't only a fault of Uber Radio but was a fault of um, Oprecht in a sense for not communicating internally about when this debate was going to happen because although George did say that the debate was going to take place on June 30th. That's three weeks after the elections. (laughs) And I also did say in the student election group chat that the debates were going to be next week, Um, a group chat which I believe the candidate who was first on the list is in, or at least somebody from Oprah should have been in. Um, 
So that was something which I found strange, and I'd be interested to see if, um, Domenico, you have anything to say about this, because for me as somebody who's voting um, in these elections, I would like to, I feel like in many ways we're voting for individuals rather than parties more so, or the party as a group of individuals who are going to be very organized and well-structured in order to make a change. Um, and if something like this can, you know, very much with our mistake as a part of it, but still slip under the radar of Oprecht, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what your thoughts on that were. Or I think that fairly, the um, of course, we could have noticed that the 30th of June wasn't a great date for an election debate. <laughs> but, I mean, it is the organiser of the debate that should make sure that the people show up. If I were to organise a dinner party and I told people the wrong date, I wouldn't put the onus on them to think about whether the date is a good date or whether it's too close to Christmas or whether it's after New Year's. I would definitely say that the organiser of the dinner party would have had to tell me when it was. And I think here's the same. Like We are very glad that you made amends and that all the other candidates also showed up again. We're very happy with that and I mean thank you for showing up again but I don't think that the onus is really on us at all I mm. I don't I don't agree with that and I think that as a party we've shown also in the past that we are well organized and that we have a lot of internal debate and that our policy is quite well structured and sort of, yeah decided compared to what the other parties have been doing in the past so I, I don't think that that's much of a problem. What sense. if what if I was organizing a New Year's Eve party and I invited you to it on the 21st of January? <laughs> um, Would you then not take some issue with that or be like, hmm, that seems very strange? No, sure. But I, I mean, yes, we could have noticed it. And that mm -hmm. is true. But I don't think you can fault us for not noticing your mistake. I think that's that's preposterous, honestly. It's. Mm. There's many scenarios in which other people could have noticed other people's mistakes, but I think it's a hectic time. It's a confusing time also with it's the coronavirus. It's a troubling time, yeah. And you can't expect us to go after you and fix your mistakes, really. Mm. No, but it's not... Well, I think you've already already said it was their mistake, but still, it's quite weird that, I don't know, like 12 people, nobody ever thought, like, hmm, well, maybe the, the debate will take place two weeks after the elections. Maybe we should say something about it and nobody said something, so that's quite weird. It's not really about who made the mistake, because that's clear, but it's just weird nobody noticed it. Yeah, I mean, of course it's odd. Is it significant there? I don't think so. Mm. <laughs> well, what is significant maybe is that we had a good debate, which is now um, offline, which uh, I, I, I think is um, quite sad. I understand it from the uh, perspective of Uber Radio. Uh, I also think it's good to be here and have another debate, because... Why not? I mean, one of the jokes was like, if you can't even care to come to a debate, it would be quite low if we would now say, no, we're not joining this debate. That would be quite hypocrite. Um, but still, I think, yeah, to p put the blame all with Uber Radio. And I have to say with George, who I s we spoke with him on the phone, he felt really bad about it. But yeah, I I'm think sure he's a good lad personally. It's just this wasn't done very well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's yeah. also not done very well if 12 people don't don't even think of calling up and say, hey, why are you planning a debate two weeks after the elections? Yeah, after all, it's also not like a, a dinner party. Yeah. No. <laughs> you, you've could, you, I think you could have been more on top of it and a bit more proactive approach, um, even though, of course, obviously a wrong date was communicated, which is not your fault, but still. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> again, it's, it doesn't seem to me like we have 
a very large responsibility to go after this. Also, as you all are doing, we are campaigning on many different platforms and we are taking care of that. And when there's one platform that's supposed to take care of its own, which is a radio, we, I mean, yeah, we didn't really check three times whether the radio was doing its own business properly. But absolutely, I mean, we could have checked. We Perhaps we should have checked and known that things go wrong at the Uva radio. Um, but yeah, we didn't. We presumed that things would go right. So mm. maybe that, that's, that's our fault. But could you also explain, because one thing I found a bit weird was one day after the debate, um, Olaf was called from one of the girls from the from Obrecht and she said, hey, do you know when the debate's happening? And then Olaf said, well, it was yesterday. So, um, And now all of a sudden when it's three, we- three days online, we have to come the next day. So now it's a problem and it wasn't uh, like a week ago or something. I mean, if the radio gave you one day's notice, that's not our fault. <laughs> No, but still, my question was, if the debate was put up online like uh, several days ago and you knew, like the day after the debate took place, you knew it was, it already happened. And then now, yesterday, we heard you're making a problem out of it and we have to do everything again. It wasn't that Operate were making a problem out of it. It was the fact that um, the CSR brought it to our attention, the FSR brought it to our attention, Operate brought it to our attention, and then we realized that we had made a critical error in yeah. communicating the correct day and that was why we started to make moves towards reorganizing yeah. it because we wanted to have everybody with a voice on this platform sure i do really like this discussion i think it's interesting to see some uh some heated discussion but i'd also <laughs> like to talk a little bit about things which can unite us a little bit and um things in which we can all work together as active people within the student community at the university and how we can further that because One of the biggest things which I've noticed in my five years at the University of Amsterdam is that there's a pretty chronic lack of student engagement. um, And there's a real lack of sense of identity and community at this university. That's one of the main things that we've been trying to achieve here at Uber Radio. Um, But it's still very difficult. And it's difficult um, to kind of bridge these divides between courses and establish a sense of, of identity. And I think a big part of that or a big way to achieve that would be student politics because everybody likes politics, everybody has a political ideology, and there's no reason that shouldn't be able to extend down to the local level of student politics. But what we see in recent years is an average turnout of around 15% um, for voting amongst the student population, which when you consider the fact that all of it can be done online and there's normally multiple voting places, you can do it in every university building for five days Yep. You know, it's it's, it's it's very yeah. shocking. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's something which I really wanted to discuss in these election debates quite a lot. And I'd be interested to see um, what you guys thought of that or ways in which your party wants to change that. Because I personally don't think that any kind of real power can be taken by the FSR or the CSR until they have a mandate from the people. Exactly. Until there's yeah. a strong movement behind them saying we need change. Clements, do you have any ideas about how Inter is going to change this? Yeah, I think, um, I already said, I think it's quite shocking. I mean, the the elections are for five days and then we can vote online. We, we don't really have to like be there in, in presence in a voting booth, but it's just, um, yeah, a bit, bit, bit sad that um, a lot of people um, are not reached or, or don't really seem to care, or but maybe probably it's a, a combination of both. Um, and yeah, I think um, it's yeah, like it, it's kind of important to maybe also give the student calls a bit more like of competencies because I know um, at the moment I don't know like the the budget I know like compared to other countries countries it's not that 
big at the moment so maybe like that could be like increased but at, uh, again like this is also that has to be like discussed with university i think like the university or university board and like people in decision making um positions really have to um yeah yeah fi find something to make it more um yeah participate to participatory to find structures that are participatory um or to make them to create them and um yeah i think that i would well love to do like after um, um being elected for um for um the student council is making like i don't know like regular information sessions where it is really discussed what is going on within the student council who is making these decisions making it more transparent because i think in order like to um to have a say and to know what's going on like could decisions have to be properly communicated so i think that's a very big word transparency here mm. and to let students know what is going on so they can really have a say in it and that they know um yeah what, what is addressed what is tackled what kind of issues are there and to really like find the issues with the students that are coming to these sessions do you feel like it's uh it's an issue of transparency where a lot of students are calling for this or it's more so an issue of communication in general and the fact that students aren't that engaged in it in the first place so making it transparent in the way that i'm thinking about it now would only be really critical if people were asking for that if it was um something that people you know wanted do you feel like it's something people want at the moment so if people want transparency yeah is that something that you see quite a lot of people asking for yeah i think it, yeah I, I would say it is something that people are asking for but i also think that it's just something that like a political organ or like an institution such as the university but also then uh, student councils uh, sh just should should do because the, it is political like um we, we should make sure that the decisions are communicated properly and also um yeah just when it comes to like maybe scholarships even you know like um it's it's not for like a basic example but it's not really like organized on the on the website i don't know like how to find scholarships and also now like um, with corona crisis we see that a lot of students are struggling financially but still like um um, it's not communicated properly somehow um, how to find funds or, or anything to to get through this difficult situation or um, yeah mm. crisis even and you're actually you're on PPLE and you're in quite an interesting position because <laughs> PPLE within the law faculty as far as I understand it they operate as a separate entity that's right um, yeah. and that was uh, another thing which um, we put in the caption which caused a bit of controversy was that you are guaranteed a spot pretty much because there is one spot reserved for PPLE and there's only one party running within that spot which is inter. Yeah, there are four spots for um, on the council on the law faculty council for PPLE students um, and I think this hasn't always been like this I think this was changed. Sorry there's there's four spots there's, for there's PPLE. There's four spots. Four yeah, for oh four I see seats. okay yeah. so how many seats are there in total in the FSR? 12. And could one of you maybe give a quick explanation of what the FSR is? Because I've just realized that a lot of people listening might not know exactly what it is that the FSR Faculty Council does. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I think they mainly give advice to the board of the uh, FDR. So, uh, and sometimes they have a definite say in some topics. And it depends. So they in smaller groups, they work together, write and advise um, and present it to the board. And then, well they either do something with it or don't but in specific topics and i'm not 100 percent sure percent sure what the topics are but in some topics they have to give their approval in order for the faculty to go through with it yeah, the main okay. two would be um the exam uh, reglementation that's something we have um, a clear say in and we have a clear say in the financial position of the university so we can actually 
comment on that and they need to listen to us mm-hmm. to point that those are the main two things we have very much a controlling task also and to what extent um is that power leveraged on a regular basis because from the sounds of it you have quite a lot of influence in the financial situation of the faculty is it common that people within the faculty council will say no we're actually not gonna um, give you our support for your budget until you support our policies well i must say i haven't been on the council yet so Mm -hmm. i don't know how that works have you been in, uh, in last year's council? Or no, I haven't. But I've I've, I've spoken to people, and yeah. it, it, we we can't um, do say the European politics system where you can sort of say, well, we'll be to the budget and yeah. have some. Uh, but the CSR can do that, can't they? Uh, I'm not sure. We're, I'm not standing for the CSR, I'm, but I'm not. Uh, mm-hmm. not okay, yeah. But the FSR isn't able to veto the budget. No, we can't. We can't leverage okay. that. Budget, yeah. And what do you think of the um, besides acts of persuasion? Is, is some kind of mechanism that the FSR could maybe implement to actually push through these reforms. Because I think one thing that I've found um, when talking to people, different university students from different courses, different years, a common thing it, and a feeling amongst them is that the FSR and the CSR just don't do anything and that they are largely symbolic. And do you think that this representation is fair? And if so, do you think it's something which can be changed? If yeah. you were to become into power, I, I don't think it's fair, and I think um, that's the exact reason the so few people go out and vote actually for this uh, for these councils, which is a shame because I think maybe they can have more leverage and more power over the university boards. But um, I still think there is a they have a powerful position, and what I like is what you see now with the CSR, who are uh, doing a lawsuit against the UVA for the whole proctoring thing. Um, I think that's the kind of stuff that needs to be done more, the, the real concrete stuff with results. So uh, students are convinced that there is uh, value in these student councils and they actually represent um, your interests, which mm. is, I think that's the that's a good way to go. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, if, for example, with a course like PPLE, I know last year there was a turnout of over 90%. What do you think the difference is with the PPLE student body? I yeah, I think last year was like seventy one percent. Yeah, so okay, I think it was the highest yeah. um, <laughs> of any um, faculty. Well, I think it's also like compared to other faculties, also like now the law bachelor and master. Um, compared it's to the average of fifteen percent, it's, yeah, it's quite remarkable. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. high. Um, also, I think yeah, it's because uh, as I just said, like uh, compared to other faculties or like also compared to other studies, it's just quite small i think we are all around we are around like 700 people maybe um and yeah it, it, it's pretty easy to to reach these people because we have like group chats we have facebook pages um and then we also like kind of like know each other to 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 a certain extent then we have like this kind of like network and we can just like communicate to students and then we can like whatsapp them and we can send them messages and we can um really like do it like on a personal level by 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 writing them but i think if it comes to for example, CSR or like, um, yeah, like big, big faculties. This is just something that is, yeah, hardly, uh, like, like not really achievable. It's harder to achieve. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I used to be on PPLE. I was a first year and then I got kicked off it. So now I'm on <laughs> European studies. But one thing that I really did notice about it and I, I loved about it was the sense of community. And I was in the second ever year of PPLE and it really did feel like being in high school again. And everyone knew each other. And I feel like that more than anything, like what you're saying is is what it's about, that sense of community that you get on PPLE. 
and then everybody knows about it, everybody talks about it because mm. everybody is together all the time. Um, I do think that's something which would really help with student elections and engagement. But it's very hard to achieve that through direct means. It's something which you kind of, you have to let it happen organically somehow, uh, which is a slow process. But for example, with what you're saying about the CSR actually suing the university for proctoring, yeah, I didn't even know about that. Yeah. And this is something which I don't feel has been communicated very well to most students and isn't you um. know, common knowledge. When actually there was a massive outcry against this proctoring yeah. when it mm. came up. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, the proctoring... Um, came about i think a month ago was it um, uh, a bit even even uh, earlier i think a bit earlier yeah it was when the elect the um, exams were coming exactly, up and obviously yeah. it was all gonna be done online so there was concerns um with the administration that cheating would take place so then their way to ensure that wouldn't happen was to have online proctoring where a university administrators would be able to actually see what you're doing through your webcam and see what you're looking at on your computer which just violates all sorts of yeah. personal freedom rights, privacy rights. Yeah. Um, and that was a, there was a huge outcry against that with people signing petitions. And I, I truly had no idea the CSR were doing this. Yeah. But that's maybe a big problem that these actions aren't communicated effectively to students. You know, I, there was an article in like Folia magazine and I, I saw it on Facebook. Obviously now I'm more involved in this whole communication circle. Um, but that's absolutely uh, something to improve that these actions who are which are very important for every student and I think have a lot of uh, a lot of students support this uh, as you said massive outcry against this proctoring so yeah um, how do you get this message to the student and move him to actually um, get involved and vote for the party which represents his or her interests best that's an interesting question and I don't have the answer like present now, but mm. yeah, that's that's something that has to improve for sure. Yeah. But I think at the law faculty for us, like you don't have to come that much. It's just a lecture and a study group, and that's pretty much it. Um, and but students feel a lot of pressure to develop themselves, but it's going to be outside of the university because there's not that much, or the university doesn't um, show it too much. That there are several options to develop yourself, work on your CV, and people feel a lot of pressure. But if they don't know it, well, they'll go find another job outside of the university and work. Don't come, watch their lecture online from home. So, well, you don't have much involvement then from students. Mm. So I think, think that's a big factor at our facu faculty as well. What kind of um, programs are there for self-development within law faculty? Within the university? Yeah, within the university. Well, yeah, the FSR, you could do a board year, but that's not really from the university. It's mostly the student organizations, that kind of stuff. There is diversity groups, I think. Uh, but it's all quite small and it's, well, yeah, you could also work at the university. That's like the education commission yeah. you could get involved with. That's mm. from the university itself. Or the itself. student yeah. assistant, that kind of stuff. But it's still not, I think they should put it out more so students will think, well, oh, I can develop myself, work at my own faculty, which might be way better or nicer to meet people from your own faculty instead of going to a law firm, something like that. Hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like there's still a lot of interest um, within the different parties and the faculty council? Like, is it quite hard to get on the list or is it something where you guys are actually searching for people more than people are fighting to get into it? Well, yeah, well, I found my own party, so <laughs> it's not really yeah. much to answer. <laughs> With us, it's quite... Uh, we, we did have a process where you'd have to write a motivation letter, do some interviews. Uh, we did actually... Well, I mean, you have to look, obviously, for good candidates, mm -hmm. but there is... 
always there's competition. Yeah, there is competition. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think that's very good because then you can actually have a cohort of people that I wouldn't say agree with each other and everything, but can sort of are on the same page and have the same intellectual level and can sort of talk about issues sensibly instead of just being a bunch of people that really wanted to do something in student politics. Mm. And it's definitely an indicator of uh, engagement as well. And yeah. loads of people are yeah. there like, okay, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. But I still feel it's a minor, uh, very small group of the total amount of students we have that is actually involved and wants to do this. I, I see the same faces like in a lot of these Popping groups. Up, yeah. yeah. So I, I was the chairman of the study association last year, and you see a lot of people are involved there. They move through to the politics or whatever, just like I did too. So there's once you get involved, I think you are involved and you are quite engaged. But to get there, it's not it's not like all students or most of the students do that that kind of way. It's also understandable because it's quite hard if you're first year, you couldn't find a room in Amsterdam, you have to go back to your parents, yeah. it takes a lot of time. Or maybe if you even found, found a room eventually, well, you have to pay your rent, so you need a job to get everything together. So it's quite hard, I get it for students. Um, but yeah, the thing is, if you're like a third or fourth year student, then eventually you'll know the people, a lot of students dropped out as well, so the group gets smaller. And then you'll get to know, oh, there are, there are options for me. Mm. But it takes a lot of time. And do any of you have any specific policies that you want to implement next year to increase engagement and change the image of student engagement at the university? Yeah, I would love to organize some afternoons where like teachers, students, whoever is involved with the faculty policy that you're discussing at the moment will go come together um, and then well, students could ask, ask questions or give input to the person that's involved. So they'll know what the what's coming up, what kind of topics are um, are they there? There needs to be talked about, and students could give their opinion, so the faculty could do something with it. Because nowadays, I think they're just doing their own faculty without even start questions to students. So how could you even like improve your own f policy if you don't know what your students want? Yeah, I th a, th a thing we really would like to change is, for example, making the faculty a place that people actually want to 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 be uh, outside of their lectures. By because as um, Domenico said, it's like a very cold building, and you get in, and you want to know when you can get out again as yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's possible. Basically, that's it. Um, which is a missed opportunity. I feel I I know from other universities where the faculty is like really like a hub where people meet each other, yes. and a, a part of our party program, which has to do with this, is like make it so that every student has a space to study at the faculty, make it so that the canteen is good and affordable, so people will want to stay there, even maybe have dinner there together. I think those things are also important if you want to have students come to the faculty and get engaged, because as Dora said, um, the law bachelor track has a, a very few like lectures. You only have maybe one, one or two lectures and one or two tutorials a week which means in total you're not not required to be more than 10 hours at the faculty. So how do you make it that people will want to come there and be there and get engaged and actually <coughs> have, like get involved with how things go in the faculty? I think one step in that is to make it a place where people will actually want to go and be and meet people. So that's something yeah, we hope to, to uh, improve. Do you have any plans for ways that, that you'll achieve that? that you'll make it more attractive. I know that the president has been in, um, well, it's a joint, of course, the whole FSR has uh, been in uh, um, debate with the, with the university um, regarding the, um, the caterer for the canteen and everything. 
And I think what they achieved was that at the end of the day, all the products that have to be thrown away anyway are offered with a discount. So that's like a thing they achieved. But I think it should go further. I mean, the, the we have this food court at the, uh, it's the Faculty of Economics and Business. That's where the, the canteen is. At Rutgers Island. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At Rutgers Island. And it's a, it's a weird setup with food courts or something where like several private uh, parties can like offer food and never really for my uh, i never really experienced that it worked properly so maybe that's something to change and make it like one universal caterer with affordable and good food so people will want to eat there yeah but still better than in the a building where you have to pay five euros for a shit sandwich of and course, then yeah. like lean on the white awkward yeah. tables and mm. you don't have anywhere to sit <laughs> yeah. and you'll, you'll just leave eventually exactly the so. sad thing is we had a great example of how it should be in i, I believe in the 90s, we still had that. We had an enormous canteen. We could just exactly and eat. Yeah. Low price. It was good food. Yeah. Yeah. And was that here? I think it was yeah. here. I think it was this building. Yeah. 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 And at a certain this point, was they the had old to crea. make yeah. it yeah. students yeah, only yeah. because so many people from outside were yeah, coming here nice. to eat. Yeah, exactly. Ah. So that it was that good. Yeah. yeah. And now we have the complete opposite yeah. end of the spectrum. Where it's cheaper it's to it's go to a restaurant. Exactly. And people do that. So we have this Italian restaurant on the corner at Rutus, uh, Rutus campus. And yeah. a lot of people go there, which is, I mean, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous when you think about it. <laughs> and I, I was an exchange semester in, uh, in a university in Germany, in Hamburg. And they had like such good facilities regarding this um, that people, th they offered like every night, they offered, uh, every day they offered like a, a dinner meal for under three euros, I think. And that resulted in a lot of um, students staying there and having dinner with their friends at the at the faculty which is that improves your experience so much uh, as oh, to massively, yeah. yeah as to having either go home or have to go to a restaurant and which you can't do every day when you're just a poor student so it's it's yeah i think that's that would improve a lot actually also with involvement of students yeah i think that would be a, a huge thing i was in uh, iowa for like five weeks in january and i was at this university volunteering for bernie and I went into a cafe <laughs> one day cool. and it was this incredible like American buffet style cafeteria <laughs> where you pay $7 and you get unlimited everything. Yeah. And they had pizzas and burgers and salads and sandwiches and all kinds of drinks, coffee, like everything. And you could just stay there all day. Yeah. And it was just, it was magical. It's amazing, that's, right? what, that's what I did. Like, yeah. And I was like, this is what it could be like. But yeah. instead, exactly. I'm at Pace Hoft House <laughs> paying like four euros for this disgusting like tomato mozzarella thing. Oh, yeah. God, yeah, no. And yeah. it's just, mm. uh, yeah, it, yeah. It really disincentivizes people from actually staying in the university, exactly. which is the critical thing. Yeah. And they are comfortable chairs. Like if you yeah. go to the, um, the big bridge between the two buildings of PPLE and Law, yeah. that's an enormous bridge, but you really don't want to sit there for more than an hour. You don't want to be there. It's more like a McDonald's. It's built to get you out. Yeah. Mm. And <laughs> that's <laughs> what you want. Yeah, you can't ex expect students to also interact with one another, come up with ideas outside of the curriculum, and think of extra extracurricular activities that could actually improve the faculty when you're trying to get them away from it. Yeah. It's impossible. I feel like there is a bit of um, a mindset towards business and efficiency within the main administration of like, okay, let's tick the boxes. Yeah. Let's get international people in because we get more money. But we're just, we're not going to think about the personal experience so much. It seems a bit mechanic and um, not to criticize the administration directly, but one thing I did, uh, I did bring this up with um, the rector of Magnificus of the university, who's on the executive board of the Uber when I interviewed her two months ago. And I asked her about this issue of food at the university because it's a pretty big thing, but it's something which is just kind of glossed over quite a lot yeah. by the university. And I was like, listen, I'm a humanities student. 
I have to you know, either pay to Hof House, Alman House board or Bus House and there's literally nothing for me. I can't I cannot have lunch or dinner at university. It's yeah. just impossible. Like it's not it's not an option. Yeah. And sh- I was like how are you going to change this? And she was like well uh, uh at Alman House port we're building this huge, you know, campus. We're building this amazing new thing which is planned for completion in mm. six years. Um but yeah, it's something which I feel like they plan these big projects, but then in the in-between for all the students who are actually here now. Yeah. Six years, that's a whole stu- study period. There's right? two study yeah. periods. Yeah. There's two yeah. St- yeah. generations of students yeah. Yeah. are going to come and go before any of this gets completed. And that's something which I think the all student politicians should really focus yeah. on because it's a concrete thing. Um, but I'd be interested to see if we could go around clockwise on the table. What is the most important thing to your party to achieve in your year at the FSR? Domenico? For me and for my party, I believe also the most important thing would be that we manage to give the faculty the power to make its own decisions so that we don't have the constant influence of the central university body trying to make the law studies even more efficient, even cheaper. We're already, I think, the cheapest track at the university for the university. They make the most money out of this. And I think that we can really push for better education quality and less sort of performance driven points like mandatory attendance like moving everything online after the pandemic i think that's a real danger that we need to watch for if they find out that it's a lot cheaper to keep everything online i wouldn't be surprised if they did away with real life work groups partly and i think that's something we need to watch for i think it was quite telling that the economics and business faculty were the first ones (laughs) to cancel like actual seminars for the first semester you'll have to see Doris, what do you have to say? Uh, well, for me, I think the most important thing is to make sure our education is more active, more diverse and more academic as well, instead of just like simple high school stuff. And make sure students get way more involved in our faculty policy so you can make a change for yourself instead of letting 12 students do it for you. Yeah, so we we agree with that on the, the topic of making the education of a higher quality and more interactive We're for smaller tutorial groups so that actually it's worth it to go there and you can't just sit there you have to engage um, but at the same time we think it's very important that students have um, flexibility to, to have their own they res- should be responsible for their own study path and should have maximum freedom to like decide how what works best for them um, and uh, this includes that we think like we should seek to have a perfect combination of physical and digital education um, so for example online lectures is something we would really would like to see to have to offer the flexibility to students who want to yeah who, d- who don't want to be held to the agenda of the lecture but maybe some week have the lecture online stuff like that so that's something uh, that's important for us mm. yeah and Clement yeah well for me in intro we have like these five big values that we stand for and that we represent it's then like democracy, transparency, sustainability, um, student welfare and quality of education. And yeah, I think there are some aspects and um, yeah, factors that could be improved with any of these. I think diversity we see um, um, at PPLE, but also at the uh, uh, law faculty, um, like w- like the Dutch uh, bachelor and master, we see that they, are, they have both their diversity boards and they're really like, um, working hard and they're making yeah they're analyzing data and they're trying to make recommendations and and 
Yeah, like to push for this and like to 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 be involved with them. Also, when it comes to sustainability, we have the UFA Green Office, um, and there, I mean, they basically have a board that is constantly trying to make the university greener and like more sustainable. And I think it's there are so many like great organizations out there and like a great um, board, so that we should also like try to make it more. Um, yeah, that we should try to work uh, more closely together with these with these organizations. Um, and yeah, of course, then when it comes to dem- democracy, kind of like creating structures or like creating yeah um, possibilities for students to be involved and like to participate and to raise their voice and to give us their opinions um, yeah maybe through social media but also like um, just information sessions that they can come and uh, be informed and inform us about their issues and topics that they want to address um, yeah I think these are important issues hmm. interesting one uh, common theme I noticed in, in your answers was um, the issue right now of digital education. And I think this is something which is really, was already quite um, a lot at the forefront of student politics um, because there was always the issue of lectures being online. But now with everything being online and all of the seminars happening through Zoom, exams happening in different formats, it's something which I think everybody has most people, some people have enjoyed it because they might enjoy staying at home more and more introvert. But I think the vast majority of students really miss that community aspect yeah. and yeah. going into university and studying with their friends and having a place to go to. I can speak from my own personal experience. I have massively struggled with university since coronavirus has started. And I know it's the same for many of my friends who are all saying that they might stay in their home country if all of the seminars are online from September to January. And then you start to ask yourself the question, what is the point of even paying for all of this? Yeah. I could just you know, sign up for Squarespace yeah. or Skillshare, <laughs> and then I'd have pretty much the same, the same thing. You know? yeah. I could just read a book and watch YouTube. There's What's the, the difference? There's exactly. in the Netherlands as well, which I think is quite similar yeah. for what you're describing. Yeah. Is that something which you guys really are going to push against if you get into power in the FSR? Absolutely. I, I think that it's one of the most important things of the university is that you have the room for debate. And I've tried multiple times to multiple times to have a debate through a Zoom work group. But you can't. You can't no. actually respond to each other quickly enough. You can't speak to each other properly. I think that's that's why it's also very good that we're sitting here in a studio instead of speaking through Zoom because otherwise we wouldn't yeah. be able to react to each other. We just make a point and then leave. It's much more difficult, yeah. 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 So I think it, it's very important for us to push back especially after the pandemic's over and make sure that we get back the university where you can actually attend classes but on the other hand i do think it's very important to emphasize that we are against mandatory attendance so we think that the level of the classes will improve vastly if you go to the classes which you want to go to so that's that's not this mass of uninterested students that are just sitting there so that they don't get kicked out of the course so Mm. we want people to have the choice of whether they want to follow courses online or in real life but do you really think it's a big problem because i've never been like kicked out of a group and i haven't showed up like don't want to be so bad bad (laughs) but honestly there's so many times you don't go you don't show up and even if you go there they're just happy to see you like okay well you're here let's hear what you have to say but don't you think that all the disinterested students that you must see in your work group that don't do their coursework that don't want to talk that don't react to the professor would be able to do what they want to do, which is clearly not sitting there in that room. Exactly. Instead of sort of also ruining the experience for everybody who actually cares. But just to clarify real quick, is outside of PPLE, because I know on PPLE there are mandatory courses for yeah. mandatory uh, 
uh, seminars for every single course, but on the law faculty, are they mandatory? Well, the, the, how the system works is the lectures are not mandatory. You can go there, or you cannot go there, and then you have the tutorial groups. And y if you sign up for that, you can only miss one or two, depending on sometimes it's one, yeah. sometimes it's two. And showing up unprepared counts as um, not showing up. And if you miss more than one or two, you're you're banned from attending uh, again. So yeah, but that's the formal way, and I think for so many students, it, it's not really a big issue. I don't know. I, I agree with Domenico. Actually, I've been kicked out sometimes, and I have also been s in some tutorials where I really wanted to be, uh, and where it was very frustrating to see that some people were obviously just sitting there to get their check mark uh, of attendance. Yeah. And also, I think it's it's a wrong signaling from the university because it's not high school; it's university, and students sh should like be proactive themselves and choose how they want to study. And the university shouldn't have like this high school-like attendance policies and really bother students who are perfectly capable of deciding themselves how to study and what works good for them. So that's a, yeah, that's an important point for us and I think for Obrecht too then. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I also think, um, yeah, to come back to your question, that I've, yeah, there's some like important lessons that we can learn from the corona crisis um, and how it is doing, uh, how it is done right now. Also, um, uploading lecture recordings after the lecture is basically held so that like students can watch it immediately after um, and also yeah like um, it's not maybe necessarily um, important or relevant like to meet each other in person but some things can just be done um, yeah via zoom or um, yeah via via whatsapp call or some things because some people they just live very far away from university and like it's just it would cost them like a lot of like time and effort and maybe also money to to come to university but then, of course, um, I think university should be a place where debates should happen and where people um, talk to each other and where students um, talk to each other, but also students with tutors and, and staff and lecturers. And I think all of this is, is missing at the moment. And also, I think it's, yeah, it's kind of a privilege to now study um, efficiently and to do work because, I don't know, maybe some of us don't really have a chair, um, like, a, like a table at home where to work or like they have to take care of their siblings or maybe one of their parents is sick. Um, or they just have to, yeah, work more because they struggle financially. Um, yeah, of course, that is kind of like um, out of reach at the moment, maybe like for a student council. Um, um, but 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 I think yeah that it's important to come back to university um, if it's possible and like allow um, allowed under yeah health circumstances. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I do agree that the physical education and should return. Obviously, yeah, it's very important that it is. Uh, yeah, just online via zoom and the lectures uh, online are just i think the bare minimum to have yeah. a fully enjoyed to fully enjoy your study time yeah it's a tricky one as well because um it's definitely in the economic interest of the university to continue it this way and you're yeah. going to see a lot with all types of businesses leaders mm -hmm. organizations having to make this decision mm. um and the tricky thing is is that they'll they know it's in their financial interest to continue like this and if they want to do that, they'll be able to do that just by saying, no, it's for safety. So I think, for example, um, Domenico, it sounds like Oprecht, um, you have a very strong hard line against this. And this would this is one of your main priorities as a party right now. How would you convince the university that actually it is safe to do it? And then once once you make that argument and you convince them of that, then you can start to demand its reopening. But I feel like until you've reached that point, it's going to be very difficult to achieve. I do want to say, I don't think it's perhaps the time yet to do this. I, I think that the important thing is that when the time comes, 
we can look around and see that other countries are reopening. We can see that perhaps other sectors in Holland, which is already partly happening, are reopening. And then we can say, we can. I, I think it's a very clear argument that the level of the university, which apparently they found very important right now, the international rankings, are not going to stay the same if nobody's engaged in the university. Nobody's going to uh, come up with research ideas in their mum's living room. You, n- you need to <laughs> have a stimulating environment. And I, I think that's very easy for the university to see. And as long as we push for it, mm. we should be able to achieve it. But it's important that we push. Otherwise, they think we don't care. And they might be right. Mm. Uh, I think in this regard, a big problem, of course, is that the university is very dependent on the, the government policy. So if the government says you cannot reopen, obviously c- they, c- they can't do anything. As soon as the government eases these restrictions, I think the we should push against uh, o- reopening university. And I think it's, um, it's possible and there are uh, numerous ways to think of organizing classes or things. For example, you could say, okay, for now we will not do the physical lectures within the big groups because yeah. of course three, 400 people in a big room with poor ventilation, that's asking for trouble. But you can do small scale tutorials and you can maybe even do more of them because you don't have to do the big lectures. You can mm. use the recordings from last year. Um, and I think you can find solutions to have physical education. I know that a lot of teachers are also pushing for this because they miss actually teaching. They don't like teaching via Zoom either. So I think it's it, it should be possible to convince the university to do this. But I agree with you that it's not per se in their interest to reopen as soon as possible. Yeah. Which is tricky, yeah. No, but it's annoying because the university isn't a business, it's a university. Um, and that's where they're responsible that's for. for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course. And I don't care about their business model. I just want to have the education I paid for, honestly, and where I have a right to. So um, that shouldn't be... Like the the business model, and if it's in their financial interest, I couldn't care less. And I think that's for the other students as well. Yeah, we shouldn't forget yeah. that education is a great investment yeah. for both the country and the university. It's yeah, not like you shouldn't have to convince the university money. of this viewing point, right? Uh, sadly, sadly, I sadly, think we have you to. have. Yeah. So we do need to make the argument, yeah. but I think we manage. No, I think it's it's a real risk as well because I've heard. I'm not sure who told me, but I've heard that one of the um, like big guys at, at our faculty was thinking, well, you know, with proctoring, if that's going to be a reality, well, we might use it for other tests as well, because, you know, there's so many students coming in, t- it takes a lot of time and a lot of organization. Why, why, well, it might be possible to do it after Corona as well, when we don't have to, but it might be cheaper and um better for organization and for the university. So it is a quite big risk, yeah. Should very closely watch how this evolves and yeah, yeah, control, like be on top of it, what the university uh, wants to do and uh, push against it if it's unacceptable. Like proctoring for us is, I think for all of us, by the way, it's absolutely no go and especially not beyond Corona purposes that that's, yeah, with, uh, without limits, I think. And it shows how flawed the exams are. Because yeah, if they believe exactly. that you can actually just have your book and make exactly. the whole exam out of that, yeah. there's something intrinsically wrong with the exam. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. I think there are a lot of opportunities that could have handled this, but obviously you're not going to manage with a multiple choice exam. That's That doesn't work. Then you need proctoring or something. Yeah, yeah but the but reason th- is they th- don't... Th- that's the wrong exam. They won't proctoring because if you have to write an essay, which I th- think would be great because that's academic. If you want to be a lawyer, you still... Whatever you're going to do, you'll need... You'll be na- you'll be able to need to write, 
um, uh, academically. And now they don't just don't want it because lots of students said, why didn't you do it via Zoom or why didn't you let us write an essay, give our informed opinion about the, about the things we should learn about. But they don't want to because it takes way too much time to grade the students, so it's not efficient enough. Exactly, but that's a, I think that's a big problem. Why is that not efficient enough? And what does that say about the quality of academic yeah. education when it's reduced to a highly efficient multiple choice exam, mm -hmm. which you can just put in like a scanner and it reads what you have marked. I mean, that's not why Still I pay for education. Mm -hmm. that, that's, uh, that's quite They're ridiculous. They're busy, right? They've yeah. got a lot of Zoom calls to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of emails. So I think that's God. that's uh, like a continuing topic. Like, how do you get, how do you keep the education on a level that it's actually beneficial for students and not just and form mm. of extend extended high school. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I do think this is um it's quite an interesting time for student politics and politics and everything in the world in general, obviously, because what we saw when coronavirus started was a pretty complete disillusion of everything which we ex took for granted, like university, society, exactly. social interactions, many of our own personal freedoms and liberties. And now we're having to reassert them. Like something like proctoring, for example, this is a case of the university overstepping their boundaries yeah. and saying, oh, we can do this because it's the new normal. Yeah. Because yeah. this is the way it is now. Justifying then, it with a crisis. Like, oh, exactly. it's, it's a crisis situation. So Yeah, but it's annoying because, you know, whenever there's going to be a debate between some fundamental right and privacy, privacy, privacy is always going to lose. Because it's the way you present it. Like, well, yeah, uh, healthcare and privacy. Well, obviously, privacy will have to... Um, yeah, uh, we'll have to be, be secondary. Yeah. yeah, and that's quite annoying. And the same goes for students as well, because you know it's just students. Other people are more important, and not saying that's completely how they think, but you get the feeling because every time we'll have to um, give something, and then we don't give anything back, and it's just going to be the students firstly. Mm. Yeah, but I do think that as a result of this, as a result of um, the university overstepping their boundaries the now student politicians within the university, they're in a position where they can not only reassert their rights, like we're seeing with the CSR filing a, a lawsuit yeah. against the university, which is actually quite massive when you think about yeah, it. Absolutely. You know, it's a real, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a real dissent. It's real like power trying to be asserted. Yeah. And I think alongside that, you're also going to have the opportunity to extend the power of student politics and not only have to you know stand up for ourselves, but say, hey, no, no, we're actually going to stand up for everything that we deserve. Mm -hmm. And then I think as a result of that, you'll be able to get students more engaged and have a lot more momentum. But I do think that that momentum is a, it's a difficult thing to keep up. And a lot of it is down to communication and social media. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's something yeah, to course, think because about. Because there are like these important topic and issues that should be addressed now. I mean, in this global crisis that we're having, but then yeah, it's pretty hard like to reach students now that they're like all across the globe basically. And um, you, you cannot just like meet them at the, I don't know, coffee machine or... Mm. Indeed. I think we're going to wrap this up here, guys. It's been a lovely yeah. chat. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming Perfect. in again. Dominico, yeah, no thank worry. you for coming in the first time. <laughs> first time. <laughs> I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for having me. All right, sweet. Well, uh, yes, the elections are taking place from June 8th to June 12th. So yeah. that is just a mere two days away. Yeah. Are you guys feeling nervous? I am. Good excitement. Good excitement. I think we can do a lot for the faculty now. Perfect. Yeah. I can only Exciting blame myself every lose, so yeah, it's quite. Well, I, wish, I wish I could vote for all four of you, but I'm not in the law faculty, so <laughs> well. I can't vote for any of you. 
CSR, yeah. you can vote in the CSR. CSR, yes, for yeah. the Vrij Student. Yeah. We'll see about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to look a bit more into it. But um, yeah, this has been Uber Radio. My name is Felix. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks and uh, so make sure to vote. We'll put a link. Yeah, make sure to vote. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> make sure to vote. And the link, Important. I'll put a link to it in the description. It's on the Uber website, I imagine. Yes, um, everyone will get an email actually mm. with yeah. an invitation to vote. So you've got no excuses. Exactly. So you no excuses. 75% turnout. Yeah. <laughs> All right, catch you guys later. Bye bye.